Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher, back here with Drew Dinsick. Today, we're going to finish off previewing week four of the NFL season. We'll talk Falcons, Jags, Vikings, Panthers, and then Sunday Night Football, Chiefs, Jets, and we'll close out with our best bets. Drew, how are you, mate? What's new? Well, you know, looking at how the market is dumping on all of my NFL bets this week, it's, uh, I think, time to start thinking about basketball, Jay. <laughs> and uh, boy, oh boy, did we have a Woj bomb of all Woj bombs yesterday. Uh, I talked about it a little bit with Vaughn. My take was basically this is win, win, win. Uh, short-term win for the Bucks because their championship equity in this tiny window goes up. Uh, long-term win for the Blazers because, boy, oh, boy, did they get a, a huge, huge halt return for game. And then uh, win for the Suns because they now have some roster flexibility and some depth. The only losers really were the Heat. Uh, do you agree with that? And uh, and beyond that, uh, you know, what do you think happens to Drew Holiday now? Yeah, with Drew, uh, I don't really know just because there are so many potential bidders. It's basically he's the type of player because he can defend so many positions and defend them well and also because he can shoot and dribble. He basically fits on every single team in the league because he can play one or two. So I think that's just going to go to the highest bidder. He he fits everywhere. On the Dames stuff, uh First of all, I found out about the trade because a friend linked me to a tweet that said Yusuf Nurkic had been traded for DeAndre Ayton, uh, <laughs> which I thought, well, that's a strange trade. And then I think it's like, oh, Damian Lillard has been traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, which was not what I was anticipating uh, and not really what I was hoping to see as someone who's pretty heavily invested in the Celtics to win the title. But it's a strange one because now I think the East is so top-heavy as a result of this, uh, and I think – Look, Boston suffer because of the trade, but also they probably don't suffer that much because the thought was always that Miami were going to get Damian Lillard and that would create, you know, a third team at the top of the East. And now their equity has just dissolved. And a lot of that goes to Milwaukee, but some of it also goes to Boston and Philly and Cleveland, if you want to believe in them. But I think the kind of the most interesting question uh, in terms of handicapping this is like how much equity do just the Bucks and the Celtics hold in the East? Because to me, it's got to be close to 75%. I was going to say 80 off the top of my head, yeah. Yeah. When I kind of back of the handkerchief priced it out uh, last night uh, at City Field with my father-in-law, given that there wasn't much happening in the Mets-Marlins game, uh, and I was curious (laughs) about uh, Eastern Conference prices in the NBA, uh, the way I had it um, just off the top of my head was uh, the Bucks in the plus 150 range, the Celtics in the plus 170 range, and then everyone else kind of off of that to win the East. And so, to be fair, the last time I thought the East was that top-heavy, 
was when the Sixers uh, traded for Al Horford that year. And I thought that the Bucks and the Sixers were close to 75% uh, equity combined. This is in the, the bubble season. Uh, and as it turned out, neither of those teams even made the conference finals. It was Boston-Miami. So, look, this stuff is always flatter than your gut reaction is just because yeah. so many things can happen. Laurie Markkinen can turn into the 20th best player in the NBA out of nowhere. Players get injured, obviously. <laughs> I do think that it just makes it very top-heavy, but also now you know, we're one injury away to an old player uh, on Milwaukee from them being in huge trouble because they've got no no real depth and everyone is old. I don't think they're going to be great in the regular season because I don't think they're mm-hmm. going to care about it. Uh, but look, my main takeaway is that the Bucks should be the East favorites, should be the title favorites, yeah. but also that the Celtics are still right there. And I think those two teams I would have as the two best teams in the league over anyone in the West. The Suns are weird, interesting, I guess. <laughs> I like the fact that they get Grayson Allen and this year Little more than I like the fact they got Yusuf Nurkic, who I don't really know how he fits on a team that wants them in the championship as they're kind of their lone big. Uh, but they will be right there, and I would still have them favorites in the West because they've just got so much more depth than Denver. But uh, what do you think of Milwaukee v. Boston and how the East sits at the moment? Uh, it's an awesome conversation. Um, I agree with you that Milwaukee is not going to be a great regular season team. Um, they are going to have to fill backfill a lot of minutes with guys who are probably not uh, replacement level or better players. Uh, so they're going to lose some games uh, back to backs. They might as well just rest everybody uh, and take the loss. Uh, and I think that kind of gives, you know, that gives the Celtics uh, the doors wide open for them to get the one seed and have home court advantage in a presumptive Eastern Conference Finals between those two teams. Um, I think it's interesting because the moves that were made um, were kind of counter to each other for basically preparing for the old version of each team to a degree, if that makes sense. Um, it's almost like uh, the, you know, the the Celtics move on from smart, get another big. Now they're maybe a little bit more, you know, flexible for handling a team like Milwaukee with big, you know, that's big focused. Um, but now in giving me a smart, I, you know, now they're a little bit more susceptible to a guy at point of attack, like, like, like Damian Lillard. Uh, and then the flip side of the coin is, uh, you know, without Drew Holiday, like the point of attack defense for the Bucks might be bad. Uh, and, you know, I, I think uh, that kind of opens the door for uh, Tatum in particular, if he ta- you know, continues to take, take a step forward or the combo of Tatum and Brown to just be uh, a little bit uh, uh, kind of game wreckers. So um, it's almost like we flipped from kind of they were positioned well to defend against each other to now this is just like a series that's first to 120 kind of deal. So um, it'll be a fun series, surely, if that's your Eastern Conference Finals. I still tilt the balance a bit in favor of um, the Boston Celtics, largely because, uh, you know, Chris Middleton's on the decline. Giannis is on the decline, question mark. Uh, his, His kind of trending down in terms of Darko from last season was is a little concerning. Um, and uh, while Dame Lillard is obviously like he's a mega, he's a super duper star, like guy's amazing. Uh, and, and, you know, I'll not cheer for him with my wallet, but would I like to see Dame Lillard get a ring before he retires? Sure. That'd be quite cool. Um, but at the same time, like uh, I still think, you know, the, the new glow of a new piece with Giannis is probably driving this price beyond what is fair. Uh, and you're right in that it's a lot flatter than we realize because of injuries, because of players emerging and things like that. Um, 
haven't mentioned the Sixers, haven't mentioned the Cavaliers. Uh, you know, I don't really know that there's a dark horse team outside of them in the Heat. Um, but, uh, you know, I think realistically, uh, it's going to make for a really fun Eastern Conference. Indeed. And with the Bucks, like a couple of things. So uh, two years ago, Brooke Lopez didn't play the whole season because he's back surgery and he's what, is he 35 years old now? And Damian Lillard two years ago was not that good and then also kind of had a serious abdominal injury and he's True. 33. Giannis is not the defensive player that he was two, three years ago because he's just terrified of fouling now because he fouls so much on the other end that he just doesn't contest as many shots and he just hasn't been as defensively uh, useful or dominant. He's still a very good defensive player, obviously. And then the, the, the big thing for the Bucs is that like, Giannis has got to learn how to shoot outside of three feet again uh, and make free throws because if he doesn't do that, then he's still an excellent offensive player because of what he gives you at the rim and in transition as a role man. But he's not the all-world guy who is winning back-to-back MVPs. So uh, there's some uncertainty on that front, but still... Dame, Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, that's pretty frightening. It's the top four, and I think they're right to just figure the rest out later. Uh, and my head says that the Bucks are now, you know, the, the rifle title favorites and Eastern Conference favorites, but at the same time, I do have a sneaking suspicion that Boston, they might just they might just be better and in a way safer, which is strange to say about a team that just traded uh, its uh, heart and soul for Kristaps Porzingis, but I do think they have more depth, bizarrely, now than the Bucks And... The last thing before we move uh, to Desmond Ritter uh, and depart from Jason <laughs> Tatum and, you know, uh, is that one thing that I try and think of more and more in pricing out futures is that you have to think about kind of roster malleability and upside and how much that a team can change in season. The Bucks cannot change in season. This is their team. They don't have control of their draft picks for the next seven years. They have no young players to trade. Yeah. This is their team. The Celtics still have Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams and all their firsts effectively to be able to trade. Like the Warriors, if it doesn't work out with Chris Paul, then Chris Paul's not going to be on the team. They'll trade him with Kaminga and Moody and draft picks. Like teams like that still have upside in terms of just who's going to be on the team come the playoffs. And so Boston have a bit more kind of range there than the Milwaukee. So I think that also gives them uh, a little bit more uh, potential. But anyway, we've got plenty of time to talk about that over the next six months. We've only got today to talk about Falcons-Jags at Wembley Stadium. Drew, uh, the Jags are three-and-a-half-point favorites on the neutral field. The total is 43-and-a-half. What do you make of this one? Yeah, Gut says it's going to go back down to three. I don't know why there's so much market support for this Falcons team, but it's there. Um, And, you know, I think in general this is sort of a – a prove it game for the Jacksonville def- uh, Jacksonville offense. Excuse me. Um, they have left so many points on the field. Jay, I've lost count. Uh, yeah. They ha- it's the the bad luck, the snake bitten nature of the uh, Jags offense to this point of the season has been very very much part of their story. Um, and they need to you know truly uh, you know kind of emerge from you know what has not worked and. Uh, and find some form quickly here because at one and two, uh, a third loss on this season um, is deep trouble for them, uh, considering, you know, Houston is more lively than people expected. Indianapolis has already got two wins, potentially a third with a coin flip game against the Rams. And uh, and so the, the Jags really need an absolutely focused effort here. I think in general, um, they match up fairly well against Atlanta. Um, Atlanta made some nice moves in getting um, some veteran defensive players and their defenses looked pretty 
darn solid this season, but I will point out that they have played a lot of teams that are, are you know, that were either struggling with injuries. They Really, they've just been lucky in terms of who they have faced and the injuries those teams have been dealing with have been largely on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I look at the Packers week two. They were without a number of skill position players, including their most important skill position player and Aaron Jones week three. Uh, the uh, Lions lost a number of uh, off. They were, you know, it was a rotating um, cast of characters on the offensive line in that one. Uh, and they were, you know, dealing with injuries to their skill position group as well. So it's they have not been tested to with a fully healthy, fully high octane, um, you know, set of we- set of weapons that the Jags will bring to this contest. And so I think uh, if I could only have one bet, I'd probably just isolate Jags team total over because I think the market is a little light on how good that offense is, considering the un- unlucky nature of their season so far. Um, and I think they match up fairly well against an Atlanta defense that has. You know, some spots where you can really attack them on the second level, the linebackers, I would, uh, you know, I, I can I, I can see uh, getting after them. And, uh, you know, CB2 uh, has played well, but, uh, you know, as if you can throw away from AJ Terrell, I think uh, Jags can find some success here. So I think the Jags can get into the high 20s. Wembley's a fast, fast field. Um, it just lends itself to scoring if you look at the results over the years for whatever reason. Jacksonville, obviously, pretty familiar with traveling to London and playing at this venue. So, um, would expect them to give you an honest effort offensively and then no clue uh, how, what to expect from their defense, uh, largely because I can't really put my finger on who Atlanta is offensively. Yeah, I think the Jags, like defensively, they're probably pretty similar to the team that they were last year, which is kind of uninspiring, but you know, middle-of-the-pack defense with probably not that much upside but isn't going to be a disaster either. To me, their offense is the fascinating thing at the moment because right now, in terms of drop-back EPA, they are the fourth-worst team in football, and the only three teams worse than them are quarterbacked by Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, uh, and Kenny Pickett. And that's just insane because the reason why it's so insane is in terms of drop-back success rate, they're the 10th best team in the league, <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence <laughs> as the third-best PFF grade among yeah. all quarterbacks. So to me, the latter two things, Lawrence's PFF grade and more importantly, just their drop back success rate, that is more stable. And I think they're just getting insanely unlucky with these drops and just narrowly misplays on third and fourth down, particularly the past couple of weeks. And look, losing to the Texans at home by 20 is insane. Uh, But, you know, there was a busted play that was what, like a 69-yard touchdown to Tank Dell. There was a fullback running back kick for a touchdown. Like there's just a lot of weird stuff in that game. And that doesn't excuse, again, losing at home to the Texans by 20. But I do think that this offense will be an above average unit and that they will be closer in terms of their passing game to the 10th best passing offense than uh, the 28th, which they are at the moment. Uh, So I do believe in the Jags. And I think that we will probably look back in two months on the Jags being plus 135 for the AFC South and think that was a little bit potentially silly, particularly when you look at what's happening to the Titans at the moment where it's starting to look like the Colts, uh, and you've been on this early, that the Colts are actually uh, the team to uh, to threaten the Jags in the AFC South. Yeah, and the only thing I can, I agree with your take 100%. Uh, that's, that's a really fun way to attack um, the luck factor if you know it's you can't capture that in epa uh, as as effectively as you can by actually kind of manually trying to keep track of that stuff like trevor lawrence lost something like what 8.888 epa on a single play where you know it was a pretty fluky fumble that his 
player recovered and then fumbled and then was taken back for a touchdown. Like, you know, that, that kind of weird stuff as part of the sample uh, in such a small sample of the season we've got so far is really kind of influencing, I think, uh, people to read this as not a good offense when they actually are. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Colts, even if, the, even if, we're, if, even if it's Texans, te- Texans and Colts are going to be quarterback largely by rookie quarterbacks. That means they're going to be inconsistent. I don't think you're going to see sustained winning, sustained, you know, kind of, you know, singular arc up, you know, uh, of performance over the balance of the season. There's going to be some dips. There's going to be some weeks where they look like rookies. Uh, and, you know, at, at that, at, in those moments, I think they're going to get back some ground. So um, I would really like to see the Jags get a win. I have given up hope that they can, uh, you know, ultimately put themselves into the playoff picture. I am giving up hope that they're going to be able to steal one seed and that they're going to actually be in the mix for an AFC championship. Uh, but uh, I still think they're the right right look in this division, which is uh, otherwise pretty weak. Yep, we are aligned there. Okay, before we get to Vikings-Panthers, a reminder that Bet the Edge isn't the only show every day during the NFL season. You can check out the Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry, Connor Rogers, and myself. It airs live on Peacock at noon Eastern, re-airs at 4 p.m., and is available on our NFL on NBC Sports YouTube channel as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app, ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! me! And head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Okay, the Minnesota Vikings, 0-3, four-and-a-half-point favorites at the 0-3 Panthers. The total is uh, 46-and-a-half. Vikings games, uh, I think a lot of the time, are going to have higher totals uh, than one might expect off the bat. They are kind of... the what is it? The raising tide raises all boats or whatever. It's raising the bright <laughs> boat. Uh, Bryce Young is back in practice, which I'm not sure if that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, what do you make of this game? Uh, okay, so I was teasing it off the top how the market has just not loved any of the bets I made this week. Uh, the two totals I bet are the exception. Uh, that the air has completely come out of the Tennessee-Cincinnati under. And I'm finally, at long last, uh, there is some push on this total to the over. Um, it was 45 and a half yesterday. We're up to 46 and a half. I think uh, fair is on the other side of 47. Uh, and I'm largely saying that because I think the Vikings offense is very, very good. Uh, this is a unit that uh, is, you know, a couple of, uh, again, a couple of fluky plays, a couple of fluky turnovers uh, in the uh, Bucks game from getting well into the 20s uh, and being, uh, you know, winners, albeit probably not coverers. Um, and then uh, thought they looked amazing against the Eagles. Uh, and then, uh, you know, last week uh, against the Chargers, you know, if ball bounces a little bit differently for them, uh, they're talking about, a, you know, a, a 
three and zero start instead of an zero and three start. But uh, you know, stop me if you've heard this one, Jay. This was the exact same story last year where we were like, "Like this could very well be zero and three, and they're three and zero, right?" Like it, this is sort of just part of what's going on with these guys now, weirdly. Um, but uh, all that said, uh, this offense is good. Um, Panthers are dealing with a myriad of injuries here. The only player of consequence who's uh, you know, not dinged up for the Panthers that I can tell you is Brian Burns. Everybody else is dealing with issues. Their entire secondary is just uh, a mash unit here. So um, not exactly what you want <laughs> in terms of trotting out uh, a, a defensive scheme that can stop Justin Jefferson and company. Uh, you've seen this uh, side get bet out from, it was the look ahead, I think was two and a half, or maybe even the early opener was two and a half. Uh, it's been bet across three. Uh, if you didn't already know, being bet across three is rare and is a very strong signal <laughs> in terms of uh, you know NFL sides. And uh, I think it's correct. Uh, that's directionally correct, surely. I think uh, there's possibility that if Bryce Young gets confirmed, which might be a downgrade for the Panthers offense, I say might be, it would be a downgrade for me. Um, you know, that just considering how inexperienced he is and what we saw from Andy Dalton last week, it would be a downgrade. Uh, this could get to six before Sunday. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I think the total again should be over 47. That was the angle I chose to attack. And I went that way just because this, this Vikings defense is something else, man. <laughs> they are brutal. Um, you can attack them basically any way you want. Uh, and you're finding, uh, you know, relatively light, uh, resistance. Um, you know, I think outside of Daniel Hunter, there's nobody that really, uh, you know, stands out on this unit. And, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that the offensive line for the Panthers is starting to come together a bit uh, and can take care of Hunter, which will give uh, Bryce Young some time to finally operate this offense. Um, a lot of concerns about the start for the Panthers and what the best means for the Frank Reich era, you know, regime. Uh, he's got a, just a, a embarrassment of riches in terms of assistant coaches here, and it just is not working so far, which has got to be frustrating for a lot of people in that, uh, for, you know, in that building. Um, but I think the Panthers can answer into the twenties. I think the Vikings could could uh, threaten thirty here. So um, over was my uh, my angle of attack, and hopefully, if you got Vikings, you got it early. Yeah, I think the the Vikings um, unfortunately wasted all their luck on the wrong season because I think they might be a better team this year than they were last year. <laughs> um, but they used up their luck to go thirteen and four last year, and then get outplayed at home by uh, the New York Giants uh, in a playoff game. And now this year, I mean, they really should have. Well, I mean, they lost by one score to the Eagles, and the Eagles recovered all four fumbles. They probably should have beaten the Bucks. Uh, and they should have paid in the charges, I think. So, yeah, it is what it is. I do agree. I think the offense is, you know, it's, it's a top 10 offense. Jefferson's picked up exactly where he left off. Hawkinson's a top three, four tight end in the league as an offensive weapon. And then Jordan Addison is a solid number two. I think KJ Osborne's very good, but it doesn't really matter that much when you've got the other three guys. Offensive line is in a much better place than it's been typically for Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. And Cousins is good. He's just solid. Uh, one for you, Drew. If Justin Jefferson goes 2K yards, sets the receiving uh, record, and the Vikings go 6 and 11, does he win Offensive Player of the Year? I think any. I think setting the all-time number uh, is going to, at at a minimum, get him votes. It may split the vote. Um, if there's somebody who, uh, you know, if there's a Tyreek Hill type of character who's on a one seed Dolphins and he has had a little bit more kind of splashy uh, highlight, uh, more memorable plays. And, you know, because 
what you've seen from Justin Jefferson, so, Jeff, Justin Jefferson so far has felt workmanlike <laughs> as opposed to the Tyreek Hill stuff, which is like, wow. Uh, and I think that definitely influences how people will vote. Um, so I think ultimately he'll get some share of the vote surely if he gets, uh, if he cracks 2K. And uh, I think at, you know, full health uh, and assuming the Vikings keep Kirk Cousins around, then uh, that's live. Yep. My best guess would be that, say, Jefferson gets the 2,000 yards, Vikings are, you know, eliminated pretty early and they're 6 and 11, 7 and 10. And then Tyree Kill is at like 1750 on a one seed for the Dolphins with more touchdowns than Jefferson. I think Tyreek would win that vote because I think the Jefferson's yards would be seen to be a little bit devalued because yeah. they came in garbage time or as Tyreek Hill. Empty calories. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Tyreek Hill's leading a <laughs> you know a revolutionary so. greatest show on turf type of yeah. offense. And you can't quantify Tyreek in the numbers. Uh so <laughs> I would lean. I would have Jefferson the third favorite right now, as the market does behind uh, CMC and Tyreek. But yeah. he is—he is—he's probably more live than any offensive player of the year candidate has ever been on an 0-3 team. So uh, certainly not ruling him out, but I think he's going to have a higher bar to clear. All right, before we get to Chiefs Jets, it's an AFC clash this Sunday night. Yeah, Chiefs Jets catch Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs traveling east to square <laughs> off with Garrett Wilson and the Jets. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on NBC and Peacock. All right. Did did, uh, did you decide if you're going to go? Uh, I will be going for fantasy football pregame at <laughs> from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We're on the air on Peacock, and I'm not going to stick around for uh, seven and a half hours at MetLife, so I'm going to come back home uh, and watch the game uh, on my couch. The, uh, All right. the father-in-law sporting event was ticked off with uh, that magnificent Marlins Mets game at City Field where uh, we were two of the, uh, I believe, uh, 175 people in attendance uh, to watch <laughs> that game, which had a playoff ramification. It did. Yeah, yeah, that mattered. An important game. Yeah. Uh, it was one of those games where whenever they show someone on the big screen in between innings, yeah. basically like a plus 900 shot every uh, inning break because there's no one else. <laughs> They've already gone through 20% of the crowd by inning four. But, uh, it was one of those games where it reminds you, oh, yeah, baseball's still being played. Um, yeah, very much the dog days. <laughs> um, all right. Chiefs are nine-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, the total is 41. Mm. Again, I think this is a game where if you just ask most people who follow the NFL, the instant reaction will be, well, how is Zach Wilson going to stay within 10 points of Patrick Mahomes? Uh, which yeah. is fair enough. Uh, I think it's an instant reaction. And then you remember that, well, he did just beat Josh Allen like three weeks ago. Uh, yeah. And they got four plays out of Aaron Rodgers and no completed passes. So uh, anything can happen in a one-game sample, obviously, mm-hmm. in this Jets defense is elite. Uh, do you think it's elite enough to stay within single digits of Mahomes, Drew? Um, it That's the name of the game. <laughs> that's the name of the handicap entirely. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, you know, the Jets did get the better of Josh Allen. And oh, by the way, it was here. Uh, the fact that this is in New York is not, you know, it's not trivial. Um, I think that in general, we've seen enough evidence in the last calendar year that the Jets defense just matches up well with Buffalo, period. Um, you know, they have in general the right uh, kind of conceptual framework for how to stop those guys. Um, whereas the Chiefs are a lot more multiple. Um, and outside of Travis Kelsey, they don't they don't have an obvious we must stop that. Um, and so I think there's potential here that the Jets could you know, the, you know, the, you get an inspired performance out of this defense and that they really do hold the Chiefs into the uh, you know into the 20s instead of really letting this one get away. I mean, 
if we're being honest, like, yeah, Pat Mahomes looks great. He's amazing. Like, I don't, I don't know what else you would have expected, but the, um, the overall offensive output of this team in the first two weeks of the year was not that impressive. Um, it, it took until they got to face the JV defense from Chicago for them to really kind of finally, uh, you know, put up a, a pretty uh, impressive, uh, you know, set of yards and points. Um, and if the Detroit Lions defense can in some ways keep a, a lid on this unit, albeit without Travis Kelsey, then the Jets should have a very, very real chance of uh, keeping this thing close. Um, where, you know, where I'm most interested in seeing is, you know, what exactly Salah has up his sleeve in terms of uh, how to generate pressure because the interior offensive line for the Chiefs is playing so, so well right now. They are not allowing even a whiff uh, of pressure. And even when it does uh, the pocket does start to, uh, you know, kind of a more, you know, start to change shape. Um, you know, the 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 uh, ability of Patrick Mahomes to see it coming and to adjust and to adapt uh, has been incredible so far this season. Uh, and so I think if they can get, you know, an all an all universe performance out of Quinn Williams here, and he can in some, you know, he can win his one v ones and finally put a little bit of interior pressure on Mahomes. That's what you got to do in this game, um, because I don't think there's a realistic chance that uh, Mahomes is going to be just beating you over the head with points in this one. It's going to have to be drip, 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 cross the field, cross the field, cross, cross the street, cross the street, cross the street type of uh, progress, 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 and you know, hope that you have a little bit of um, uh, efficiency in the red zone. So my uh, my general strategy, if I was the Jets here, you know, do what you can to get these guys fired up and give you, you know, th- this is. These are the Super Bowl champions, right? If you, if you, the Jets, thought you were good enough to win a Super Bowl this year, then your defense better come out and hold these guys to 20 points. Uh, and if you do, then I think the Jets can absolutely cover a nine and a half point spread. Um, that said, uh, if I could only make one bet on this game, I'm just taking the uh, the Jets team total under. Yeah. I think Trevor Simeon is going to be the quarterback in the third quarter, to be honest. Uh, okay. I think this is uh, Zach Wilson's reckoning. The Chiefs defense has been playing pretty well. Uh, really well. And I think there is just, there's just nothing left on the bone with Zach Wilson. Uh, and I think it might be this week uh, where they finally um, decide that enough is enough. He was just unbearably bad against the Patriots. And I think that that, that fourth and 10 throw uh, to the line of scrimmage to the tight end, that might, uh, that might be his last kind of material moment. So, uh, well, he almost had the Hail Mary, but I, uh, I don't think that he is long for this team. Uh, and this is quietly, like, this is a huge week for the MVP market, just given that Tua and Josh Allen are playing each other and Patrick Mahomes is in prime time against uh, the Jets with Taylor Swift in attendance again. And so I think that if you believe in Mahomes' MVP, and and I do, uh, and he's in the, still in the plus 600 range, like, this might be the last chance you get at Mahomes bigger than, you know, uh, four to one because uh, he could very well be the MVP favorite uh, on Monday morning if uh, if Tua goes down and he takes care of business, which I suspect he will. All right, before we get to our best bets, reminder, Saturday, September 30th at 11 a.m. Eastern, Brad Thomas and Eric Froton and Vaughn Dalzell are answering your college football betting questions for week five. All you have to do is tune in to the NBC Sports YouTube channel to hear more of our thoughts on multiple top 25 matchups including a top 25 matchup when number 24 in the country, Kansas, travels to Austin to face mm-hmm. Quinn Ewers at number three, Texas. At the theater, more than the movies come to life, movie lovers march in and skip the line with digital tickets to the latest movies on the free Fandango app. Ready to grab some snacks. Pick me! Pick me! 
and head to the best seats in the house for a night of romance, terror, and quality family screen time. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Gold for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. What's your best bet for week four, Drew? So, you teased it. It's, uh, it is the game of the week, uh, the Dolphins-Bills. And um, I felt earlier this week like I was taking the Bills because it was on the right side of three. This look ahead adjusted across three. I felt that the look ahead was adjusted across three, largely because of what the Dolphins did. And what the Dolphins did, while impressive, came at the behest of a, of a Broncos team that was exhausted and quit. Uh, and so I felt like there was a, you know, a little bit of just flat-out market overreaction line value on the Bills. And I said, okay, let's take some Bills and uh, be on the right side of three. And now you got some skin in the game of the week. The longer I've thought about this and the more I've broken it down and the more I've tried to kind of come at this particular game and, and try to find the right uh, angle that will ultimately be, you know, matter the most, the more I keep coming back to um, the fact that the Bills defense right now is so much healthier than we saw last season. And so many has so many multiple, you know, multiple ways that they can match up with the, uh, this uh, super dynamic attack that Miami is bringing to the table. And I think what you saw the Patriots do uh, sets up fairly well for the Bills to replicate or even do better, considering that they have more talented players overall. Um, I like the fact that the Bills are relatively healthy here. Jordan Poirier, the only guy that's missing practice, and I would expect ultimately he goes. Um, and I think the Bills' defense can be the distinguishing factor in this game. Uh, you look at what the Bills' offense did against basically this exact same personnel that the Dolphins have out there last se season three times. Uh, three of the top five yardage outputs that the Dolphins defense allowed last year were against this Bills team. And so the Bills will get theirs. It was just a matter of uh, if the defense can keep the Dolphins from getting to 30, in my opinion. Um, I think the Dolphins in general have a pretty rough situational spot here. This is their third week traveling out of four so far in this young season. Uh, and uh, just in general, uh, the fact that the Bills, uh, you know, this is a prove it game for both the offense and the defense, I think sets up well for them uh, to put a stamp on this one and win by margin. Um, I'm calling for Bills uh, to win by uh, at least a touchdown here. Uh, and I've laid the two and a half. Um, but I think an even better approach, if you can find it, is to get a, uh, uh, an alt spread at around three uh, and take a little bit off the VIG there. Yeah, well, I think the Bills are the better team and they're at home. And to your point, in terms of the travel, it doesn't favor Miami. Uh, as someone who's heavily invested in Mike McDaniel, Coach of the Year, among other Miami positions, I do like that it is going to be 75 and sunny in Buffalo on Sunday. Uh, I think that good weather is advantage Dolphins just with the speed of their offense. Uh, but uh, certainly, I'm ready for anything in this game. Genuinely anything. I could see either team winning by 20 points because I just don't know if this is just the best offense uh, that we've seen in a long, long time or maybe the Bills are just the best team in football uh, and they're really going to impose their will on a Miami defense that might not be that good. Uh, so, 
definitely the game of the week. Uh, and yeah, look, if at two and a half, if I had to bet either side, uh, I would be leaning the Bills as well. Um, but once you get to three, uh, then I think um, then I might be a bit more apprehensive going against my man, Mike McDaniel. Okay, uh, my best bet is uh, Cleveland at minus two and a half, home to the Ravens. Uh, I think the Cleveland are being a little bit underrated, maybe not so much by the market, but just by the general uh, football watching population because this defense is the best in the league by margin at the moment. They've given up 21 first downs through three weeks. They've given up 19 points in three weeks uh, and they just look totally dominant. Miles Garrett looking like a defensive player, the front runner, the secondary uh, is playing a lot better than it did last season. Uh, and I think that Jim Schwartz being there has changed a lot. And then quietly, uh, Deshaun Watson for the first time as a Cleveland Brown looked like Deshaun Watson uh, against the Titans. And we'll see how much of that was just going against that Titan secondary, which can't stop anyone. But he just he just looked better athletically, physically, just making throws that he hadn't been making. Uh, I think the fact that Nick Chubb is out, while should be bad overall for the Browns, uh, I think that is probably kind of overrated in people's minds because if it's going to shift the offense more to Deshaun, and if Deshaun wants to throw the ball and is a rhythm passer who benefits from throwing the ball more, then I think that they might actually be better for it. And then on the Ravens side, is the Ravens injury report for this game? Uh, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham, uh, Marlon Humphrey, uh, Udafe Owe, David Ojaba. These guys haven't practiced yet this week. And then you've got other guys, uh, Kyle Hamilton, Justice L. Tyler Lindebaum, Ronnie Stanley, Marcus Williams. All of these guys as well are on the injury report. This team's really banged up. The offense just hasn't clicked at all so far. It just doesn't, doesn't look right. Todd Munkin's offense thing is taking some time to install. And I think that... An offense that doesn't look right, uh, it's not the recipe to go up against the best defense in the league. So uh, I'm riding with the Browns minus two and a half. And I think here's the other thing. The Browns should be favored in that division because they're going up against yeah. the Ravens and this two and a half is trending towards three. And so even when you strip out home field, the market is saying that Cleveland are better than Baltimore. Now, accounting for the fact that Baltimore have probably more health upside the rest of the way than Cleveland because they're so banged up at the moment. But I think Cleveland, who have an easier schedule as well, much easier, and that kind of balances out the health upside, I think Cleveland should be favored in that division. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland has the easiest schedule of all of the AFC contenders. Yeah. Period. Yeah. I think as we need to really, if they win this game, we need to be thinking more, you know, we need to be thinking bigger. Yep. Yeah, they, people don't think about this because Deshaun looks so bad in that primetime game against the Steelers. Uh, but this is a team that could absolutely get the one seed. Uh, yep. That's how good this defense is at the moment. Yep. All right, that's it. Uh, we are done. If you want to check out our handicap of other games this week, just go back through the catalog of shows, either in podcast form or on YouTube. Uh, and in the meantime, don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks, everyone, watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. Please rate and subscribe if you're listening to us in podcast form. And a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, we'll see you soon.